0: Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about the essential skills for success that nobody's taught you, why this phenomenon exists, and what you can do to bridge the skills gap for yourself and others around you. With me today is Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Has Taught You. Mark has spent his career launching and fixing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and academia. He's developed new software languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and track down criminals and terrorists on the dark web. Mark's also helped create the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, which is MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he's taught for 20 years and serves on the boards of Techie Youth and Plant-A-Million Corals, two nonprofit organizations. Welcome, Mark. It's great to have you with me here today.
1: Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So to start us off, what inspired you to write the Career Toolkit? essential skills for success that nobody has taught you.
1: 20 years ago, research that we did at MIT that's been replicated by other universities found that there's a number of skills that corporations are looking for. Leadership, communication, networking, negotiating. These are skills they want in their employees, not just the ones they hire right out of school from places like MIT, but universal skills they want every employee they have, but it's not being taught. So we created at MIT what's known as the Career Success Accelerator, where we wanted to instill these skills into our students because they're not normally taught in an undergraduate program. Having now taught there for 20 years, knowing the benefits of these skills, knowing how to teach these skills, I wanted to expand it to a larger audience. And I really thought I was going to write up some notes that we could put online. But 20 pages of notes quickly became 40, then 80. And at a certain point, I said, you know, I think this is not a bunch of notes. This is a book. Sure.
0: So what is your take on why these skills are not taught more widely?
1: Unfortunately, our education system has not been very proactive and forward thinking. High school is a relatively modern invention going back about 150 years or so. That was really created as we left the farm and had to work in the factories in an industrialized nation, we needed an educated workforce who knew the three R's, the reading, writing, arithmetic. But that's all you needed to work on a factory floor. You didn't have to know how to negotiate or network. So we focused on just the basic root skills. Universities go back about 900 years, higher education, but universities are run by professors. Now, I love professors. I work with them. But professors are really narrow and deep. They are experts in their field. So what happens is when you say, well, I'm an accountant or I want to be an accountant, the professors say, well, welcome, nice freshman. If you want to be an accountant, you need to take these classes. If you take these intro classes, some intermediate, a few advanced classes, uh, the university might make you take a couple general requirements. If you take all these classes, we will give you a piece of paper saying you have a bachelor's in accounting. That degree says, is you have achieved a certain level of knowledge in accounting. They're not saying you're a good accountant. They're certainly not saying you're a good employee. They just say you have learned this knowledge. And that was fine back in the 1950s, where as an accountant, you just sat there and did what you were told. You were the cog in a machine. But in today's workforce, where we have more dynamic teams and flat structures, and we expect people to take initiative, you don't sit there like a cog waiting to be told what to do. And you need other skills that, unfortunately, the educational programs haven't yet incorporated.
0: Whose responsibility is it to develop these skills? Is it academia, corporate America, individuals?
1: It is certainly everyone's. I do believe that academia should start to teach these. I would love it if we start to just explore a little in high school, even teasing it in middle school, certainly universities need to start doing this. And if they're smart, they'll recognize their customers are, you can look at either as the students who pay or the companies who hire, who are buying their products. And if they want to be customer focused, they need to recognize this is what the customer is asking for. Corporate America as well. You can't just depend on the schools. We would never say, oh, you want to join the basketball team Well, you took the two-day basketball clinic, right? Okay, good. You're done. Now you can play on my team forevermore. You've learned everything you need to know. So corporate America also has to do some continual training, but most importantly, it is the individual. You cannot rely on others to train you up. You have to take responsibility and own your career and your development.
0: I couldn't agree more. You know, this definitely has to be on the individual And I've also seen more organizations starting to step up and say, okay, while it's the individual's responsibility, we're going to help people along the way. And hopefully academia picks up with some additional content uh, in these areas as well in the future. Thinking about corporate America, what is the benefit to companies and organizations in helping
1: employees with their careers? Are there any tricky issues when doing so? When you help your employees learn you are going to create better employee engagement. Especially today, as we're looking at the great resignation, people are saying, it's not just about the money anymore. I want more. And this is a great way to do it. Saying, we're not just saying, yeah, you know, dance for your money. We're saying, no, we care about you. We want to train you up. We know this is important. Plus, you're growing your employees. You're upskilling. There's that famous statement, what if we train our employees and they leave? Well, what if we don't train them and they stay? And so if you're saying, I'm scared of losing them, you're going to wind up in that latter situation. Now, in terms of tricky issues, sure, if you're upskilling them, they are going to expect more opportunity. And it's possible that maybe down the road, I'm going to move on. And we can talk about that. It's a little scary for companies to do so at first, because it's always taboo to admit there was a future outside the company. But if we're all honest about it, it's no surprise. We can have open conversations and we can even say, okay, I'm going to do this role for now. then move ahead and hopefully get to this position for another three years. And then hopefully there's something, but maybe not. And we all recognize that, but we can plan ahead together. And I'll I'll note as well, another fear, companies are afraid of teaching employees to negotiate. Because they say, oh, if we teach our employees to negotiate, well, they're going to negotiate for more salary. Yes, they will. But consider the following. Imagine you teach them how to negotiate and be 2% better. Say so, okay, well, all of a sudden my labor cost that's going to go up 2%. But if they all know how to negotiate 2% better, well, your salespeople are now bringing in 2% more revenue. Your people dealing with your vendors are now getting a 2% better return on what you're buying. Your partnerships are 2% better. Your employees, when they are engaging with each other, are now coming up with bare solutions. It's not monetary, these are internal negotiations, 2% bare solutions. So, yeah, you're going to be paying 2% more, but everyone's upskilled and the pie is much more than 2% bigger.
0: If we approve everything one or 2% more, the impact long term to the bottom line and to hopefully everything that goes on in an organization should be amazing,
1: right? That, by the way, is really key, is to recognize it's not about this massive change. It's getting these small changes. If you can get your employees just 1% or 2% better on these skills, it has a massive ROI down the road.
0: Something we talk about a lot, and we've actually done a few podcasts that have mentioned that in the past too. Your comments also remind me of a HR executive I worked for who talked about The jobs in an organization belong to the organization, not to the individuals. And you should be actively looking to move on after a few years. Come in, learn what you can about the role, put your stamp on it, and then start maybe looking for what's next, hopefully within the organization, of course.
1: If the employee is happy to stay at that job for the next 10 years, ask yourself, is this employee motivated and ambitious? And it might be okay if that's what the person wants to do. Certainly, we think about teachers, for example. Teachers say, this is what I love to do. Research scientists, not everyone needs to move up. Not everyone needs a bigger title. But there's probably at least some of your employees, the people you want in that role are people who want the next role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree, sometimes there are roles that are more designed for people to stay in a longer period. Uh, and other roles are more feeder type roles. So as I hear you talking, are you kind of suggesting that maybe there's a a rewriting, if you will, about the contract between capital and labor?
1: Absolutely. We are seeing the biggest change in a century, the biggest change since the labor movement of the late 19th, early 20th century. And so employees are no longer saying, I just want a job that pays me enough money or even more than I want. It's just about the money. Employees today, sure, they still want money. And we do see, especially with upward inflationary pressures, people are asking for more, but they also want, as we said, engagement. They wanna feel connected to the company. They want growth. They wanna be learning and developing. They wanna see a future. They want alignment to mission. They wanna feel their company serves a purpose. They wanna see things like a company that has ESG and is connecting back to the community, whether micro or macro, that they are good corporate citizens. They wanna see a corporate culture that they like. What we saw is a lot of companies who said, hey, suck it up, it's a pandemic, it's hard for all of us, just keep doing your job. We're losing employees, while the ones who said, look, we know this is chaotic, listen, we're gonna do, let's say in the month of May in 2020, I knew of companies who said, next four Fridays, just take them off. We know it's been chaotic, spend the day with your family take the the companies all gonna take a week off to just figure out what's going on here, who cared about their employees, cared about their well-being. They also want companies who, when they say I have an idea or I have a question or concern, the companies listen to them. And then of course, people, especially we see in the younger generations, they want to have some type of impact. They wanna feel they are doing something meaningful. So the contract is no longer just about money. It's not the same for everyone, but we now need to offer more of a basket of benefits. I don't just mean 401ks to the potential employees.
0: Yeah, it's more than just money and a few perks, right? It's about that connection to something bigger. And just talking with one of our strategic partners this morning about all these things that you're mentioning. So it's great. What, in your opinion, is the most important thing that someone can do today to help their organization upskill or get better?
1: I recommend starting peer learning groups. Now, here's how they work. And at the end, we'll give the website. There's a free download, so you can do this on your own. Peer learning groups, I recommend groups of about six to eight people in size, but you can scale them up. You can do bigger groups. What you want to do is put people together in these groups and engage with some content. Yes, you can use my book if you want, but you can use a different book, you can use articles, videos, you can use a great podcast like this one, have everyone listen to that podcast episode. And when you engage with a content, you do the reading, you listen to the podcast, you then have a discussion, and you discuss that content. Here's why it's important. Most of what we have learned has been through rote memorization, The teacher says, here's a quadratic equation. You write it down, you memorize it. They now show you a math problem. You say, oh, okay, I'm going to apply it. It's very simple. The real world doesn't work that way. First, we don't say, hey, at 3.17 PM, you're going to have to lead. It's not so cut and dry. It's something that happens somewhat continuously. The other thing is, unlike the quadratic equation, there is no formula for leadership. There's no three steps to magically have a great negotiation. These are subtle, complex types of skills that we constantly have to work at. I would liken it more to sports. You'd never say, hey, you had that one training before you joined the basketball team. Now you're done, right? That's it. No more training. You learned everything you need to know in that two-day clinic, but that's what we do. We either say you learned everything you needed to know in college or we send you for that two-day seminar. What more do you need? Well, just like someone on a sports team, you need to regularly drill and train and scrimmage and practice. That's what these groups do. There is no leadership scrimmage. I can't lead for an afternoon and say, okay, everyone, do over. Yeah, just kidding. That's not what I meant. Boy, I screwed that up. Good thing that doesn't count. There's no take backs in leadership. But when we're sitting in the small group, we just read a chapter on leadership. What do we do? We discuss it. And your interpretation might be different than mine. Oh, wow, that's great. I never would have thought of that. You're bringing in a different perspective. We enrich in our perspectives. Someone else might say, hey, I have a leadership challenge. I'm trying to figure out here's what's going on. How do I go through this? And you say, oh, okay let me give some thoughts. This is your chance to do that scrimmage. I can help you prepare for a negotiation. I can help you plan how to communicate, help you through an example. Someone else might say, hey, I had something similar. Here's what I did. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. That's like watching the tape. Of course, athletes do. They watch to get better. It's watching the tape. It's learning what happened. Now, you can use, as I mentioned, books You can also do case studies. You can bring in case studies. You could bring in other speakers or other things if you want. These things start to cost money. If you're just doing a book, books are relatively cheaper. Again, a podcast like this or other content free. So you get the groups together and on a regular cadence, say twice a month, these small groups meet and they have that discussion. You can do it with general groups. We're just going to bring in typically people from different departments to get a diversity of opinions or you can have groups oriented around a particular skill. This is the negotiation group, and we're just gonna hone negotiation skills and people can join or leave that group as they wanna invest in those skills.
0: I can definitely see a lot of the benefits here. What benefits have you seen with leaders and organizations from implementing peer learning
1: groups? There's a number of great benefits to doing things like this. The first, as we mentioned, employees want engagement. And so you are engaging them. You're saying, look, we care about you. We're helping to upskill you. So they're engaged, they're getting better. Obviously that helps both them and the company. It also helps with your internal networking. We forget about networking has to be done inside an organization. And especially because you want these groups to be diverse in terms of background. You also want the general diversity. You don't want all men or all women. But even you don't say, we're going to put all our salespeople in one group. You take the salesperson, the accountant, the engineer, and put them together. You're going to foster those internal relationships that are so important to an organization. And then you also get a common language. If everyone has read the same book or heard the same podcast, You can reference that story, that analogy, that model, that terminology, everyone immediately gets it. So it's going to help your communication as well. And again, as we said before, it's just about making a small change. These little improvements in these teams and these groups of people, that's going to cascade and create a massive change in your organization.
0: You just mentioned that the small change can make a big impact.
1: Can you give me a deeper example on that or a couple examples around that? here's the way I sell it to individuals. We're going to go back to negotiating. We talked about earlier negotiating and making that pie bigger with just a few percent. Well, I tell the individuals, imagine you learn to negotiate. You're not going to be the world's greatest negotiator. You just get a little bit better. And so here you are, you're 35 years old. You have a job offer for $80,000. But instead of just accepting the job, you had read about negotiations, you took a course, read a book, and you go and negotiate that job. It takes about five, 10 minutes, and you get 81000 just $1,000 more. That's not a huge lift. We can all imagine doing that. If you do nothing else in your career, you have just earned $1,000 more for the next 30 years. In five to 10 minutes, you just got yourself $30,000. But of course, you're not gonna be staying in this job for 30 years. You're going to have raises and promotions and other jobs. You're going to negotiate those as well. And so using this newfound negotiation skill, you can add tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earning. And when you think about that, you say, oh my God, why have I not focused on learning to negotiate? And this is why programs like yours include negotiation as a a course. MBA students love it because it helps make them better. So you want to learn to negotiate because a small change has a massive ROI. Now, it turns out this is true for everything. It's easy to do the math for negotiation. When you get slightly better at networking, no one says, oh, you sound like a better networker. I'm going to hand you $1,000 more. doesn't work that way. But we know being a slightly better networker, you get more opportunities, more opportunities for jobs, for partnerships, for suppliers. And you get these opportunities that lead to more success for you, which can translate into more money or whatever metric you want. So these small changes at an individual level can lead to a massive return. And at an organizational level, it works the same way. And it even works because you have it, as each individual does that little bit better as we talked about before, it adds up and drives the organization in a much bigger way.
0: I can totally appreciate the long-term view of everything. And I think as leaders, sometimes, maybe especially in our culture, we tend to look at just the next quarter or, you know, we want to make Wall Street look good if we're a public company, things like that. Taking that longer-term view, uh, especially from your own earning power standpoint, is is so important. I wanted to switch gears a little bit here and uh, talk about a companion piece to your book. I understand you created an app to go along with it. Can you tell us a little bit about the why behind the app? And I'm also a little curious as to what this could signal for the future of books and education, in your
1: opinion. When you read a book like mine, a business book, or even more generally a self help book, you read the book, you say, wow, there's so many great tips in here. This is fantastic. And then three weeks later, you forgot most of it because you're on to the next book, you're busy. I certainly know for undergrad students, you take the class and as soon as that final is over, magically you walk out the door and the information just falls out of your head. Seems to happen across campuses all across America. My job as an author is not to get you to buy pieces of paper. My job is to help you transform. Now the paper is one way to do that, but I don't want you to forget three weeks later. Having worked in education, I thought about what can we do to help you bear retain this? Now, a very common educational technique is spaced repetition. Fancy name for don't just read the book once, look back at. Of course, no one's going to look back at the book. Flashcards are another technique. No one's going to make flashcards for a book. So what I did is I created an app where I took the key points from the book, good quotes, good tips, highlights, I put into this app, it's free from the Android and iPhone stores. When you download the app, you don't even have to open it other than once a month, just so we know you're still active and we're not annoying you. So you just open it to let us know you're still interested. And then each day at a time you set, it's going to pop up as a notification, one of the tips from the book. That's going to help keep it top of mind. You might even say, hey, I'm just focused on chapter eight, networking. Because the book, you can really jump to any chapter. You don't have to read in order. You say, I'm just going to focus on networking right now. So maybe you set the tips only to be networking tips. So that's what you focus on. That's what stays top of mind. Or if, say, you're about to walk into a networking event, you might not have had the time to reread the book the night before. I'm not expecting you to do that. You open up the app and you say, oh, let me just go through those networking tips. Flip, flip, flip. Okay, right. Those were all the tips. I remember reading that. And you walk into the event refreshed. So this app, it's designed as a companion to the book. Honestly, we, we don't check if you bought. So if you're thinking maybe I'll buy the book, download the app, check out some of the tips. And if that's all you want, I'm happy for you to have it. I do think if you read the book and have the stories and examples, it's stronger and this will just refresh you. But this is designed to help you better retain the information in the book. And I really think this is going to become, I was, I was shocked that this didn't exist before. I really thought someone must have created this. This seems obvious once you think about it. Didn't exist. So I had to create my own app. We have a patent filed on it. And actually later this year, we're going to launch a general version. So other books, other classes, other corporate training programs, really any type of content can then go in and be used in the app. So people who get that content can then better retain it by having the spaced repetition technique.
0: I think it's great. The forgetting curve is truly formidable. We talk about that a lot with our clients uh, trying to you know make the most of their investment in our programs. The app's a great idea to help apply concepts and to really get that, that real-time refresher when needed. If someone is interested in picking up your book uh, in the app for themselves or their team, perhaps, uh, where can they find it?
1: You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can see more about the book, where to buy it, Or reach out to me if you want to do bulk sales for your organization. You can also follow me on social media, see new content I put out each week. Go to the app page, and that will take you to the app store where you can download these two free apps we mentioned. You can also go to the resources page where I list other books if you want to go deeper, as well as free online resources and free downloads, the first of which is how to create these peer learning groups at your organization. Completely free. You download it. You can take it as you want. In fact, the copyright says you can change it as you want, put your name on it and say to your organization, look at this great idea I came up with. You can take all the credit, but it walks you through how to build it. What are the different things to think about when creating it? So all of this can be found at my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com.
0: All right, thanks, Mark. And I'll add that link into the description of this episode. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about building skills you need to be successful, but somehow have been missed by traditional learning infrastructure. You've definitely given our listeners some things to think about and ways that we can all make a difference. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.